Hi and welcome to the St Saviour's Finsbury Park podcast. Our vision is to be a church alive in God's love to serve the city. And we hope this teaching helps you to know God and serve him more wherever you've been uniquely placed. Let's jump in. Wonderful. Well, good morning. If anyone doesn't know me, I'm Bex. I'm on staff team here. And um, this morning we are continuing through our series of looking at the Lord's Prayer. Um, So Matt, he kicked us off with the first two weeks, which was what it means to pray to God as Father and what it means to pray God's kingdom come. And so now we're looking at the next line in the Lord's Prayer, which is six really small words. Um, Give us today our daily bread. Um, So I'm just going to recap on all the verses. We're going to start... Um, yeah, at the beginning of this, this part in Matthew 6, when Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. And he starts like this. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues, on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, Pray to your father who is unseen, then your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep babbling on like the pagans. They think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And as you'll you'll know that in, in many of the gospels, they often have different accounts of the same thing. And Luke's account of this same thing is that the disciples see Jesus praying and they ask him how to pray. And that's not because nobody at this time was praying. On the contrary, particularly in the sort of Jewish tradition that um, Jesus and his disciples came from, they were incredibly devout. There were lots of prayers. Children, as soon as they had like, learned to speak, were learning all sorts of different prayers. And the disciples knew many of these prayers. In fact, the beginning of this prayer that Jesus teaches comes from two of those set prayers. But as the beginning of this passage implies, from what we were looking at at the, at the beginning, um, actually, um, something's got a bit muddled. The way that God intended people to pray has somehow been taken over with people feeling like prayer needs to be something a bit different. Praying really long prayers to impress others, praying out on the street corners. Um, equally confusingly, people who weren't Jewish and were praying to different gods, there was lots of repetitive chanting. But the disciples see Jesus' prayer life, and so they say, because it's different, they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And I guess for me, that that is the prayer that we are praying as we look through this series. It's a really simple prayer. Lord, would you teach us to pray? And we're just going to do that now. Um, Lord, thank you that we have this beautiful short prayer that's called the Lord's Prayer because you taught us it directly. And we ask as we look through it that we would learn something afresh of what it means to pray this morning. Amen. 
So the Lord's Prayer is incredibly good news um, for those of us. Let me check, we're still on the right one. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, it's really, really good news for those of us who worry we're going to say the wrong thing, worry about what people might think, worry we need to play really long and really complicated and really deep theological prayers. Jesus, when he teaches the disciples to pray, says, here are these 53 words. If you want to count them, you can. I have already done that in case anybody's checking. But that's literally what we're unpacking in this sermon series. We want to just discover what are those key things that Jesus wanted us to know about prayer. Because on one hand, prayer is this thing that feels like it's very simple. On the other hand, I think we can make it quite complicated and it's not always easy. So we're looking through this prayer in the hope that we might be equipped better as individuals, but also as a church community. And interestingly, in this whole um, prayer, Jesus uses one metaphor. Jesus loved to use metaphors. He loved to use stories. And that's because it enables us to grasp something different, something bigger. And the one that he uses in this is bread. And, and bread in that time was very staple diet. Nowadays, we have, like, we have so much different food on offer from all around the world. But even here, bread is a fairly sort of well-known staple thing. Essentially, it's this reference to this main source of nutrition, the most basic needs of our body each day. But when bread is talked about in the Bible, it means something much, much bigger. Bread in the Bible actually represents God's miraculous, abundant, and daily provision. And if you read the Old Testament, you'll see lots of different references to bread, but I think the one that feels most key is that moment when the Israelites, who had been slaved for hundreds of years in Egypt, were set free. And they traveled in the desert, and they had these years of being formed as a community under God. And they ran out of food. And they cried out to God, and he provided miraculously for them manna called bread from heaven. They would collect it from the floor each morning. It just arrived there for them for thousands and thousands of people. For hundreds and hundreds of days, there was this practical provision for their need. But when, John, when um, Jesus talks about bread, he kind of goes like a whole step further. He does the practical feeding. You see in John 6, this moment when he's like out there teaching, a whole crowd has gathered him, they're up on the mountainside, they're way away from all the villages. Nobody thought they'd be out that long. They thought, well, go and see this guy. His teaching was so good. I mean, we do sermons in 20, 25 minutes. Beyond that, everyone is starting to get a bit, you know, itchy. He was obviously going on well past a whole half a day. And they're thinking they'd be home by lunchtime and they're not home by lunchtime and it's kind of getting way past lunchtime and everyone's getting really hungry. And a small boy has five bread rolls and a couple of fish. And Jesus, um, because he sees the crowd are hungry, because he cares for their practical need, he doesn't want to be like super spiritual about it, be like, well, guys, you know what? This teaching's really good. Just stay a bit hungry for a bit longer. No, he, he provides for them. And he doesn't just provide like a little bit. It says there were 12 basketfuls left over. And it wasn't just 5,000 men, because the Bible was written in a time when it was, they just count the men. It was probably a lot more than that, including all the women and all the children. That's a lot of bread and fishes to multiply. So we've got this moment where Jesus is, um, when he talks about bread and he references bread, yes, we're talking about practical provision, and Jesus really cares about the practical, the day-to-day, the important things of life. But also there's this reference to abundance. 
And later on in the same passage, Jesus refers to himself quite bizarrely. At this point, some people do step away because they're like, this is a bit weird. He refers to himself as the bread of life and says to his followers, if you feed on me, you won't be hungry again. So first of all, we've got this image of bread being practical, provision. Then we've got this thing of it being like abundance in the desert and abundance when he feeds people from it. And then we've got this moment where we realize our bread is, is actually about our spiritual provision. It's about a spiritual, it's about our deep hunger. It's about those longings that only Jesus can meet. And so then when he calls them together, his best friends on the night before he dies, he uses bread. You remember when we do this in communion, he takes the bread and he says, this is my body that's broken for you. And he says, when you eat bread, remember what I've done for you. And it's not because they're actually physically eating his body, it's because they're taking a moment with something very practical to remember what God has done for them, spiritual. So it's all of these different things. It's our physical needs, it's our practical needs, it's about abundant provision, but it's also about this spiritual, supernatural foretaste of his kingdom come. So when Jesus uses the word bread, it's a fairly exciting and very loaded moment. And one of the other things that's really interesting in this passage is that um, you might have noticed there's something a bit odd going on here. Jesus says... Um, to his disciples. First of all, he says, um, your father knows your needs before you ask them. Verse eight, here we are. And then in the next bit, he says, um, you need to pray the prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And it begs the question, why would Jesus say, oh, God knows what you need? And then in the same sentence say, oh, but you need to ask every day for the things that you need. And I think it because there's something in the asking. There's something, if we go back to the beginning of the prayer, of what Matt was talking about a few weeks ago, that we're approaching God as a heavenly Father. There's something in that moment when we say, this is what I need. Something that deepens our relationship with God. Something that changes us and God. His heart towards us as well. And um, we went through a, a patch of one of our kids that was really struggling with them, their sort of feeling of anxious about their um, transition to secondary school. Don't worry, Liz, it wasn't you. <laughs> um, and yeah, they just really, he was just really struggling with that. And we, uh, we went through different patches of being really like, but am I going to have friends? What it's going to be like? It's going to be really, really different. I don't know. And to the point where he wasn't sleeping. And, and it was just, and we were well past the baby stage. So I was not ready for the kind of being woken up by someone saying, I can't sleep, I'm really worried. And it always came back to this same anxiety. And we had a couple of evenings, and one in particular I remember where I ended up just getting into bed with him and we went through all the things that I was ever taught that would help you to sleep. Like, I always used to suggest to just pray for everybody you know. I mean, that's a long list, right? Um, and, um, and then we were, like, we were doing like, kind of like, you know, thinking about our happy place. And it was really interesting, got to find out all about his happy place, things that he loves. And, uh, and then we were doing like kind of different types of breathing. We were doing the box breathing, the breathing, hold, hold the breath, breathe out. And every time I was flat out afterwards, like, ah, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> got myself straight back to sleep, no worries. And every time this little voice would pipe up, oh, but what about if nobody wants to play with me? Or what about if, I, if it's too much? Well, you know, the, the anxiety always came up. Anyway, we had a whole, a couple of, I had a whole night like that. 
And I remember the next morning just feeling like very haggard, being like, I'm not sure we've slept or I've slept for more than at all. But what was really interesting is actually, from a, from a sort of parent's heart point of view, my body and my mind were exhausted. My heart was very full. It felt like a really precious time where he had explained things to me that I didn't know about him, and he had shared things that I wouldn't. And I got to be with him in that moment, and I remember him talking about it later, being like, oh, thank you so much for those times that we had. And it was just like really interesting. That felt really important to him. And, and, I, and I knew he was he was worried about this and we talked about it a lot in the daytime but it was that moment of him saying this is a real need I have I can't sleep because I'm anxious and the phase passed like all parenting phases do um, but it was just that that moment of him coming to me as a parent and and Jesus says this later on in the same passage Matthew 7 um, which of you if your son asked for bread would give him a stone or if he asked for fish would give him a snake If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And I don't think think God's like labelling us evil in that moment. I think that sentence was meant as that, as we all know, if we are parents or if we have been parented or if we haven't been parented, that parents always... We'll, we'll continue to get things wrong because we're only human. And it's this sense of God continues to use this parenting analogy all the way through the Bible, but he's also honest about the fact that we don't always get it right as parents. Our parents haven't always get it right when they parented us. But the, the, the overwhelming feeling of that is this sense of like parents want to do good for their children. And I do believe that in teaching us to ask, for daily provision, for supernatural abundance from our loving Father in heaven. God is saying, I care for you. I want to know your heart. I really am concerned about the things that you need. And we really need to remember that as a framework when we're coming to God in prayer. But I think if we're really often, we, quite, we forget it. Sometimes we think God has quite a lot going on, running the world, that he can't be interested in our daily needs. Often we just simply forget to pray about things. Um, sometimes we just feel really self-reliant and we want to be independent. So our natural response when we have a need and a daunting day ahead might not be to go to God in prayer. It might be just to crack on, work harder, find those coping mechanisms that work for us. And as we go through this time of um, of, of sort of real anxiety, um, really just following like a global pandemic, mental health problems and the increase, political uncertainty, war in Europe, the cost of living crisis just continuing to rise. These verses are more relevant now than they have ever been. And Paul, when he was in prison, um, he is still, I mean, he's like the model pastor. He's still like praying for his church, this first church that he ever planted in in Philippi and and nowadays Greece. Um, This is what he said to them when he's thinking about the same thing. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer, by petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is is a really amazing promise. I think often we see it on fridge magnets and think it's a little bit cliche, 
But I just want to take a moment to just look at it and be like, what does that actually look like in a heightened sense of anxiety today? Are we taking God seriously as well? Because Paul is going further than God just talking about our practical needs. He's talking about our human nature to actually worry or struggle to cope. When we look at the news, when we look at our bills, when we feel overwhelmed. And prayer is this daily habit that we need to develop, which for those of us who um, favour efficiency is quite um, annoying because we might think, well, I've prayed at the beginning of the week in church, um, I've prayed in hub. Nope, Jesus is like really clear here. He says, give us today our daily bread. He emphasizes this daily thing twice in six words, which makes me think, oh, maybe this is like a key moment here. So I just want to finish by just being like, what might that look like for us practically? I just really want to just put the invite out there to just really take Jesus at his word this week, that when he says that we need to ask for today's daily bread, that we literally will do just that. And I was brought up on this idea of having a morning quiet time to start the day. And while I believe that there's, it's really good to be flexible about that, and it's not good to be something to be really legalistic about, I also start to think that one of the reasons we can struggle with our discipleship is because we've let this spiritual discipline slip. I totally understand people have different morning routines. When my kids were small in particular, I was really struggling just to carve out 10 minutes to myself to have a quiet time at the beginning of the day. Um, I was doing well if I'd got a shower that day. And that for some people, sitting down, reading the Bible, praying quietly is just not how easy for them. It's not how they're going to learn. It, it feels quite difficult. But I also really believe that we have freedom. We have creativity. We have amazing resources now to help us make space for some time with God in the 15 plus hours that we're awake uh, and my go-to is to just sit with a mug of ginger tea, I put um, a candle on, um, I sit under a blanket, I get my prayer journal and my Bible out at six in the morning. But there are days when I, I can't manage that, um, and I might listen to the Bible being read to me, which I love, David Suchet, Bible in the year, um, while I'm doing household chores. I might pray while I'm running fin- around Finsey Park, or I'm swimming in the West Reservoir, or I'm walking somewhere. But I really do hold that having a moment to read um, or listen to a Bible passage, if you're not sure where to start, the Gospels are always the best place. Choose the Gospel, just read a chapter and work your way through them. But yeah, reading the Bible and having time to pray is the most important thing that each of us can do each day. Because what we choose to do with our time shows us where our priorities are. If Jesus is our priority, how does that work out in our daily rhythms? If you want to prioritise something, we do it daily or at least really regularly because we all know that our daily routines form us. And if we're honest, this this is a challenge for me too, most of us do find time to watch the news, check social media. If you're not sure how much that is, I did look this up. This might be a shock. If you're an iPhone user, settings, screen time, see all activity will tell you it all. If you're Android user, setting digital well-being, that will tell you exactly how much of those things you might give time to. And some of what we read and we listen to might be really encouraging, it might be informative, but the vast majority of current mental health research shows that actually both of those things 
in too much actually increases our sense of anxiety and depression. I just really want to like, just make a bold like, encouragement this week as followers of Jesus to take his word seriously and prioritize some time each day to come to God with our needs and our concerns. And the end of November, roughly around this time last year, as a family, we had a really up and down week. But it did teach me something about what it looks like to give God our needs and concerns and ask for his provision. So on Monday, um, I go into prison as usual. I had this amazing encounter with this young man, Ryan, who'd had like, I mean, this often happens to prisons, he'd had three very close bereavements happen in short succession and was very anxious about dying. And we got into a conversation and he said to me, are you anxious about dying? And I, I sort of explained my faith and I said, no, I'm not anxious about dying. And even if I was to die, I know that I would be held in Jesus. And actually, after the back of that conversation, he gave his life to Jesus, which was a first, and I was really buzzing. I was texting the staff team, and I got my phone out, and, and, and my family on the way home. Really exciting. Um, I didn't ever see him again. His, his um, whole wing went into lockdown, and then he got moved out of the prison. So I'm still offering him to God. Um, but four o'clock that afternoon, um, our car got nicked right outside our house as our kids were coming in and out of school by a gang. And I'm not going to suggest to anybody here that a car is a need, but it was a family investment to enable us, mostly if we're honest, just to see our extended family, all of whom live outside of London. And we had no way of knowing how long it would take for the police and the insurance to sort it out if we could afford to get a new car. And Chris and I were really sort of praying for the right response as we contacted police and went through paperwork and looked at the neighbour's CCTV, which was not very much fun, and realising that we'd be without a car for a while and trying to work out whether we could, you know, how we're going to see family at Christmas. And God really gave us a sense of peace instead of anxiety and and helped us to deal with some quite strong feelings of anger that week. But Joshy was really interesting. I did ask him if I could share this. But he, he was still at primary school at that point. And he's always had a bit of a thing about our cars. I'm not quite sure why. Um, but anyway, he, um, every morning we used to just do like a, we'd read a page of his like little devotional over breakfast if we had a moment. And as we walked along Tollington Park, it was about a 20 minute walk. Every day I'd be like, right, so we're just going to, just trying to encourage him. Let's just pray about our day. And Joshy would be like, he always prayed the same prayer. And every day I was like desperate for him to branch out and do something different. Jesus, please. And I think he was just trying to take it off the list. And he's like, here we go again. All right then. Please bless study and study this. Please bless my. And he would just say the same prayer and then he'd be done. And this week, he prayed, he prayed the same prayer every day. And then he just tagged on the end. He just said, please, Jesus, can we have our car back? And I just remember being like, wow, that's, that's a big prayer. I'm kind of internally thinking that. I'm just thinking, amen. Well done for varying the prayers this morning, Joshi. Like, and he just carried on throughout the week. It was just his prayer every day. He just did the same prayer. And then, Jesus, can we have our car back? And I was thinking that, is, that would be a miraculous moment. But, you know, amen. Really interesting. The, the end of that week, um, I can't remember when this had happened before that because it's not in, in Chris's usual routine because um, he gets up very early and used to go straight into work. But he just felt that he should take Joshie into school. So he got up, worked from home, took him in at half eight and then walked into school. And he happened to walk a different way into work. And you know when you've been thinking about something, so you sort of, or someone, sometimes you almost like feel like you see them. <laughs> he had a moment where he was walking, walking into work a different route into Crouch End, looked to the left and thought, oh, that looks like our car. And there's a moment of like, oh, that is our car. <laughs> Legged at home. 
um, picked up the car, had some very interesting and unusual conversations with police, insurance, etc. And obviously, that's quite a lot to deal with practically and how that worked out. But uh, it was just a really interesting moment because I felt for Chris and I, I felt like God gave us um, the capacity to have a less anxious and a less angry and a more kind of better response to something that felt quite a big thing. For Joshi, he just simply told God what he wanted and he needed and that he was concerned about every day until we got the car back by the end of the week. And God provided in a miraculous way in a difficult week. And I do believe that's because we asked him. Uh, and day to day, don't get me wrong, it, needs to look, it generally looks a lot less dramatic. I just wanted to share that because that was the picture, that, the, the sort of story that came to me that felt most recent um, for us. But the concept is still the same. It's coming to our Heavenly Father who loves us every single day with our needs, with our concerns for ourselves, with our concerns for our loved ones, with our concern for the world. And as we pray, give us today our daily bed. We're framing our relationship with God and we're framing our day um, under the, the knowledge of God's parenting and his relationship with us as a good father who loves us and our provider. And so I just feel like we're going to have a, a moment now. Maybe the band could come back up. That would be amazing. Um, where we're just going to respond um, to, to that. And, and also, if you have anything particular from earlier that you would like prayer for, would really um, love to, to, to stand with you in that. And I feel that there's, there's maybe three different people, or that, three different groups of people that might respond in different ways. Obviously, whatever you feel like the Lord's leading you. But... I feel there are still some of us, even though we, we talk about this a lot on Sundays, I feel there are some of us for whom when we come to God, seeing him as like a good heavenly father is really tough. And I just, we would really love to pray for you if when you come to God, you're not seeing him in that, in that, that role as like the perfect father. And that can be for many good reasons why that hasn't happened, why that is difficult for you. And it might be your own parents it might be anything else but I just really want to pray for you if that's something we'd love to pray for you if that's something that you're struggling with I feel like there's also many of us for whom we're saying well there's the day-to-day stuff but there also is other things that are going on for us that that feel much bigger than that and I think it's really good when we talk about prayer just to be really honest that there's like um I think the most helpful analogy I've seen is the traffic like analogy that when we pray about something sometimes we get a green Sometimes we get an amber and that's a way, and sometimes we get a red, and that can be really, really hard if we're sitting in a place of unanswered prayer that we've been praying about for a long time. And I just, the, I haven't got the story up on a slide, but the next part of the same bit of teaching was this sense of Jesus saying, like, just keep praying, keep knocking, keep praying. There was this, this story that he told about the persistent widow who came to the judge for justice, and, and he... he Jesus taught that as something about persistent prayer, which sometimes also teaches us that sometimes prayers aren't answered immediately. And we just want to stand with you if you have something that feels a lot bigger or something that you've been praying about for a long time. We really want to just stand with your brothers and sisters in Christ and cry out to God for your, if there's anything that feels a bit bigger. Um, That might be a broken relationship. It might be someone who you love who's really sick. It might be financial concerns. It might be something that you're facing at work tomorrow that feels huge. We would love to pray with you. And I also just want to just pray, uh, just, just give us this, this time really um, 
just have like a really practical moment. If this is something that you used to do and you no longer do, or you've never even heard of the concept of having a, a, like a prayer and Bible reading each day, or you've done it but it didn't make a difference so you kind of gave up, or you do it every now and then, I just really want to encourage you this week just to invite you just to be like, in your 15 hours or so that you're awake, what would it look like to just give a, a, a small chunk of that to prayer and to Bible reading this week? And um, please come and tell me of the things that you prayed about where God's like, done, done something new and different in your life from that time because that like, will happen. Um, it, does just, it is a bit of a discipline. So I just want to just encourage us, if that's not something that we're currently doing, to really press into that this week and moving forwards.